Well, take your Bible and open it up with me tonight to Jeremiah 33. And we're going to look at the testimony of Jeremiah tonight. And Jeremiah is just like all of the different people in the Old Testament that we've been looking at. There's so many things that we can learn from him. But as I was going through Jeremiah and where we were going to focus, you just need to know that the book of Jeremiah has taught me so much about prayer. Every time that I read it, it's just more and more instruction. And so uh, what we're going to do is, if Jeremiah gave his testimony, what would he tell us about prayer? And there are four things that we're really going to focus in. The first thing that Jeremiah would tell us is when you pray, pray the promises of God. One of the great prayer promises in the Bible is Jeremiah 33.3, where the Lord says, call unto me and I will hear you. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Now, prayer isn't a shot in the dark. Well, I'm going to pray and hopefully God will do something in response. But I want you to know, uh, prayer is a confident coming to God on the assurances, the promises that he gives us in his word. I, I want to encourage you to learn how to pray the promises of God. About 15 years ago, two of my dearest friends who served on staff with me at the Siloam Baptist Church and who remain two of my closest friends in all of the world, Steve Ellis and Robert Hooker, and we began to talk about how to pray the Word of God. And so we just started praying different scriptures for one another, for people in our church and for our church. And I want you to know that has transformed my life. When I pray for my children, I pray scripture for my children. I want my prayers to be grounded in the promises of God, in the will of God, and in the word of God. I pray every Sunday morning for 40 different pastors, and I pray the Scripture for them every week. This morning, I prayed 1 Peter 1, 26 for, or last night, I prayed 1 Peter 1, 26 for those pastors. It says that the Word of God stands forever, and this Word is the good news that was preached to you. And so I just pray that God would bless uh, as they proclaim the good news and that they would see people come to know Jesus. Our prayers need to be grounded in the promises of God and in the Word of God. Now listen to what Jeremiah says as, uh, as, he's, as the Lord is giving this prayer partner, promise. First of all, there is the invitation from God. He says, call to me. Now, there are so many ways that we call upon the Lord. There are petitions that we bring. 
We are to cast every care upon him, knowing that he cares for us. We pray knowing that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus in the model prayer said that we're to pray for our daily bread. So petition is an important part of calling upon the Lord, but that's not all. There is the calling upon the Lord in worship and adoration, rehearsing the praise and the greatness of God. One of the things when, when uh, Jeff gets up here and sings, I, I just have to say, well, that's my favorite song. And then next week, well, that's my favorite song. <laughs> because they just all exalt the wonder of Jesus. And we are to stand in awe of him in our prayers. And then we call upon the Lord in intercession, we pray for others. I trust that you pray for your family, your extended family every day. I pray that you, uh, or I hope that you pray for people in your church families that are going through trials and difficulties, who have sickness or physical needs in their lives. I hope that you pray for lost people all around you and you call their name before the Lord. I pray that you are an intercessor. I hope you pray for me two or three times every week that God would bless his word to his people and that people who are lost would be convicted and come to know Jesus. We pray through intercession. We pray through confession. <laughs> we pray and just saying, God, I want to be clean and right before you. I want to ask you to transform my, my life, renew my mind, direct my steps. I want to walk in your ways. And we pray with thanksgiving. We acknowledge the greatness and the goodness of God. We call upon the Lord. And when we do, he gives us a promise. I will answer you. Not I might answer you. There's a chance you will get an answer. He says, I will answer you. Now, the answer might not be what I wanted, or it might be at a different time that I wanted, but he said, I will answer you. And he'll answer me in a way that far exceeds my imagination. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Ephesians 3.20 says that he does abundantly above and beyond what we could think or ask. Ground your praying in the word of God, in the promises of God. The second thing that Jeremiah would tell us is to pray for your nation with a broken heart. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He wrote a whole book after Jeremiah named Lamentation that is just his heart cry, a broken heart cry to the Lord. Uh, 
for Judah. You, you, you see a picture of his heart in Jeremiah 9, uh, verse 1. He says, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears. Well, I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He's talking about the coming Babylonian captivity. He says, I bring the message, but it breaks my heart, and I cry in prayer. The greatest indictment against our praying is our dry eyes. When was the last time that you wept with a broken heart for someone that's lost? One of the most vivid memories in my life was when I was 12 years old. I shared a bedroom with my older and my younger brother. We had three single beds. They were just different. We, you know, we just arranged them differently. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and my heart was so grieved for my daddy. And I laid in bed and I just started praying for my dad's salvation. And then slipping out of that bed on my knees on that cold hardwood floor and crying for my dad's salvation. In Romans 9, one and two, Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience bearing me witness with the Holy Spirit, how I have great heaviness and continual sorrow for my kinsmen, my brethren, according to the flesh, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, anathema, severed and separated from Christ, consigned to hell for their salvation. And I'll never forget in tears praying that night, Lord, I'd be willing to die and go to hell for my daddy's salvation. Now, I want you to know when I was 31, I got to lead my daddy to the Lord. God answered that kind of praying. And I've asked God to give me that kind of a broken heart so many times. Do you pray for a broken heart? For your church, for your neighbor. Our hearts should be broken for what breaks the heart of God. And here in Jeremiah 8, he gives us five things that ought to break our heart in praying for our nation. One, we need to pray with a broken heart for a nation that has turned away from the Lord. He goes in verse 4 and he says, You have said to them, Thus saith the Lord, when men fall, they do, not rise, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding. 
They hold fast to the seed. They refuse to return. I want you to know we've lived in a nation, we're living in a nation that has turned from the Lord. It happened when we took prayer and the Bible out of public schools. And it's just continued to grow. We have lawsuits for memorials to war heroes that died because they're in a form of a cross. To have them removed. There are those that want to strip every vestige of Christianity from our society and our culture. We've turned away from the Lord in our slaughter of the innocents. I want you to know God is the creator and God is the giver of life. If you went back to Jeremiah 1, God said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God is the eternal creator of life. And a nation courts a severe judgment of God when they reject the God of creation. Not only do we need to pray with a broken heart. Now listen, you'll never hear me talk politics. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to talk about Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. I would never, ever vote for someone who was pro-abortion. That's just it. That's, that's the line in the sand for me. He said, not only have they turned from the Lord, but they have rejected his word. Look at verses uh, 8 and 9. How can you say... We are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us. But behold, the lying pen of the scribe have made it into a lie, and wise men be put to shame. But they uh, shall be in dismay and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord, so that uh, what wisdom is in them? This nation... It's never been a perfect nation, but I want you to know it's the greatest nation that it's ever been. And that's because it was based on a Judeo-Christian ethic born out of the Word of God. But we've rejected that today. It ought to break our hearts for a nation that is in self-destruction. Look at verses 10 and 11. Therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to conquerors because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wounds of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Turning from the Lord, rejecting his word, 
and just embrace the lifestyle that's self-destruction. Some of you are like me. You've had the tragedy of watching that self-destruction in your family. hard to watch someone destroy their life, isn't it? It's hard to watch a nation destroying its life and calling good evil and evil good. It ought to break our heart that the nation doesn't even recognize the time is short if we reject the Lord. Look at verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. And then it ought to break our hearts that there are those who reject the cure. Verses 20 and 21. For the wound of my daughter of my people is my heart wounded. That's God speaking. There are some things that break the heart of God. I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there not a balm in Gilead? Is not there not a physician there? Hasn't God provided the cure? Isn't Jesus the great physician that can bring healing? Why then has the health of a daughter of my people not been restored? I want you to know we need to pray with a broken heart for our nation. The third thing that Jeremiah will tell us about prayer is that we need to pray fervently for the place where God has planted us. Look over to Jeremiah 29. And Jeremiah gives instruction when the children of Israel go into Babylonian captivity. And he says in verse 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare. Now the children of Israel when they got to Babylon, Proverbs, I mean Psalm says they hung their harps on the willow as they left. <laughs> they didn't have a song to sing anymore. But they did obey the command that Jeremiah gave. And they prayed for the city of Babylon. And as they prayed for Babylon, that wicked, ungodly city, God answered in a powerful way. He answered by raising up Daniel, who would have influence on pagan kings, 
Nebuchadnezzar, his son, his grandson, Belteshar, and then Xerxes and the other Medes and the Persians. And he has that influence for the blessing and for the protection of God's people and their welfare during the captivity. It was in the answer of the prayers of people for the welfare of the city that God would raise up Esther to save the Jews from destruction. And God commands us that we would pray for the place where he has planted us. That means that you are to intercede for the city of Wynn. Everybody has political opinions and ideas of what ought to be done, but I want you to know you and I ought to be intercessors for the city. Why? Turn over, if you will, real quickly, uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul gives us this principle of prayer. He says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings. Now, you know who was king when Paul writes this? Nero. Ungodly, wicked Nero. But he says, pray for him. Pray for all of those who are in high positions, who are in, in places of authority. And here's why. That we might lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We can just live out the faith. That's good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. And here's the real reason we pray. That nothing will stand in the way of God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Can I tell you the most important issue in Wynn, Arkansas, is that there are people lost without Jesus. And he says we're to pray. Pray for those that are in authority. I pray God would change hearts. Pray that God would bring righteous influence. Pray that God would stay the hand of wicked and evil decisions. That we would be unimpeded in living for Jesus and winning people for Jesus. He said, that's what really matters. Play for, pray for the place. And I want you to know, if you're not a part of the solution through prayer for the salvation of souls, then you're a part of the problem and people staying in the darkness. Well, real quickly, one other lesson. And these are just things that God's done in my heart and my life. Through Jeremiah. When you pray, however you pray, whenever you pray, seek the blesser more than the blessing. Go on down in Jeremiah 29. 
Look at verse 12. The Lord said, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortune and gather you from all of the nations and places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The purpose of prayer is not to get things from God. It's not to inform God of anything that he doesn't know. It doesn't, it's not to coerce God to give me something he's reluctant to give me. You know what the purpose of prayer is? It's fellowship with God. It's communion and communication with him. The purpose of prayer is to teach us our dependence upon our Abba Father. And the purpose of prayer is to teach us that Jesus is more precious than anything in this world. I don't know about you, but life for me has been a journey about learning about prayer. From the time that I was 19 and starting out in the pastorate, and I read Andrew Murray's With Christ in the School of Prayer, I read hundreds of books on prayer. Every time one comes out, I just grab it and read it. And I'm appreciative for how God used them, but I want you to know the greatest lessons of prayer come right here from the Word of God. Learn from G Jeremiah. I, I just challenge you to read through him. Let him teach you how to pray with confidence, expectation, a broken heart, faithfulness, and a heart to know God.